0: Hello, my friends. Okay, I'm very excited to share this episode with you today. I had the lovely Jessa Zimmerman, who is actually a certified sex therapist on the podcast today. So before we go any further, I want you to know that this is not an episode for younger ears. If you are listening, maybe put some headphones in. We keep it very clean. It's very good. It's really about helping you create more emotional connection with your spouse and finding more ways to, um, create that intimacy. So it is very clean and very, um, supportive and I just I really wanted to do this episode I've, I've really been looking for someone to come on an expert this is not my area of expertise um, to come on and share this with us because I have had lots of conversations with a few of you about um, finding more a better relationship with your body and kind of connecting with wanting a better relationship with your significant other and um although there are lots of other reasons for wanting that connection. I'm noticing, especially with the women in the Food Freedom Program, is that they're finding um, a, a happier relationship with their body, and it's leading to more desire to connect um, in a way that maybe they haven't experienced before with their spouse or their significant other. And so I just kind of wanted to have this conversation with Jessa about how do we begin conversations? How do we begin um you know, stepping into desire. How do we improve intimacy? So I hope that you really enjoy this episode. I I really enjoyed it. It was a lovely conversation and she gives us some really great practical tips as well as, you know, um, from her perspective of as a certified sex therapist for how we can start to approach this deeper connection with our significant other. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. And if you do go give Jessa some love, she shared all about some amazing resources she has at the end of the podcast. And I'm really excited for some of them as well. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. It's a lie that wellness has to be hard painful and downright miserable and i'm ready to link arms with you and experience the joy of wellness together okay i am so excited to share this interview with you guys i have actually been wanting to have um someone come and talk more about intimacy for a while and i think it's a really important connection and essentially relationship as we talk about body image and our relationship with food and our relationship with our bodies. And a lot of times I get questions about our, you know, relationships with our spouses and and our intimate relationships as it all correlates. So I'm so excited to introduce the lovely Jessa Zimmerman on to our show to talk more about this today. Jessa, please say hello. Tell <laughs> us everything about you. We want to know what everything that you talk about with intimacy and sex and all of that. Um, and then we're going to dive right into the episode.
1: Okay. Well, I'm I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, let's see. The, I think the probably the most important thing to know about me is I'm a certified sex therapist which for people that are not in this world may not realize that's kind of a big deal. Like tons of people can say they do sex therapy, but it's actually, it takes quite a lot to become certified in this. And this is all I do. <laughs> I work with couples struggling with sex and intimacy all day long. And I have a special passion uh, for women who are struggling with desire and who have obstacles in their way to their own sexual you know, sexuality, their sexual expression, their sexual desire. Um, that's sort of what I'm basing a lot of my business separate from therapy, uh, on so.
0: Wonderful. So tell me, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Do you specifically work with women, couples? What do
1: you do there? In my, well, sort of all, all of the above in my therapy practice, I work exclusively with couples of any variety. (laughs) So, but all couples, um, which is also somewhat unusual, but I love that work. Um, so in therapy, in the state of Washington, where I'm licensed, that's what I do. Uh, outside of therapy, though, I have, I have my own podcast, which is for everybody. I have an online course that I've just sort of recrafted specifically for women who are struggling with desire. I've written a book, although that's aimed more towards couples. Um, you know, and I've got all kinds of other resources out in the world, sort of for everybody in any part of these relationships where they're struggling with sex.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited to share some of those resources that we talked about earlier with with the women here. And, and I'm glad that we're having this conversation specifically with women because that's the audience that I serve. And one of the things that um really comes up a lot, and I think anyone listening can may be able to relate in some way, is that their relationship with their body and with food is. Very connected to their intimate relationships. It, it seems to go hand in hand, and I know, especially with women in my food freedom program, they talk a lot about how when they start to heal that relationship, they start to kind of lean into more desire, like want more desire for intimacy because they've they're working on healing that relationship with their body. So maybe could we just start from the very beginning, and say, let's say we have women who are are wanting to, we're wanting to improve the bedroom life, right? But we want to start somewhere. We want to start with connection. Where do we start?
1: I, I actually think, well, I have two thoughts about this. One is anyone could start to build connection, to do things intentionally with their partner that, devote time and energy and attention to each other you know like making sure you've got date nights making sure you turn off the tv sometimes you put the phone down you actually have conversations that you engage with each other you know one of the things that can happen is we sure get in a rut you know and we're sort of going through life going through these motions and we're not really paying attention to ourselves and to our partner and so we can show up and be present and we can be mindful and we can be intentional and start to put some energy in And I actually think we want to start with maybe a real conversation with our partner about how we've been feeling and what's going on. Because, you know, if you start to do this stuff and your partner is oblivious and is still just in a rut, they may not pick up on it. And that's where it might be useful to actually, you know, speak up and have a conversation about some of the struggles that you've been having, some of the changes you've been making, and some of the desires you have moving forward to like re-engage with each other.
0: I love that. And I think sometimes we don't We don't often notice that we're not engaging sometimes. I don't know. I I tend to find myself like easy to access my phone versus maybe harder to open up a conversation. So let's say we maybe have a little like hesitancy of like, where do I even start with opening up a conversation or talking about these feelings that are kind of new to me? Like having this conversation where where would they start?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I wrote a whole guide around how to have, t- how to talk to your partner about sex, but really the concepts apply whether you're going to dive right into how you feel about your sex life and want to do something about that, or just really, I guess about any big topic. And it starts with sort of self-reflection, yeah. <laughs> you know, what do I see that's happening? How do I feel about it? What do I want? You know, what's going on as far as is what I see, and then I think it's really useful to imagine, kind of put yourself in your partner's shoes and think, what might be going on for them? How are they feeling? What do they want? What are they afraid of? You know, what it, you know, have a lot of empathy sort of for what their situation might be on the other side of this coin. Uh, because specifically about sex, if somebody is has been struggling with desire, feeling bad about their own body, their own sexuality or whatever, and it's blocked them from really showing up, their partner you know, often there's a lower desire person and a higher desire person. So they may have had a partner who's been interested in sex for some amount of time, and not really feeling like they're connecting. And that partner has some, I want to say heartbreak, maybe that's too strong a word, but they've been, you know, they've been suffering too. And so to have some empathy for that, and to think ahead, to, what, how could this be for my partner? Are they missing me? Have they been longing for connection? They've kind of shut down? Are they, are they angry and frustrated? And why? And You know, sort of get in their shoes for a bit um, and then think about how basically how you've contributed to whatever the situation is. You know, how how have you been part of any sort of problem or negative cycle? And then you bring it up to your partner from this is really important from a real place of positivity. From this real stance of, hey, I want our relationship to be as strong as it can be. I really care about this. And I care about working this out with you. And I care about working with you to make it better. So again, whether that's about sex or it's just about emotional closeness or whatever, can we talk about this? Cause you matter to me and our relationship matters to me.
0: Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Like starting it with positivity that yeah. felt so powerful when you said that, like I could tell a really big difference because I don't know, I think as women, sometimes we like, I don't know, maybe I'm famous for this, but we kind of <laughs> you, you, or like pinpoint all the yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: right, right, because if you go into those conversations with all that you language, you, 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 blaming, you know, first of all, your partner's likely to get defensive. It takes, you know, it takes a pretty, I don't even know what the word is, <laughs> a grounded person to not take that kind of thing personally. Um and if you know if all you're doing is focusing on the problems, that also just sort of reinforces those. But this idea, and it's really true, you care about your relationship and you want it to be good. And so if you approach any sort of difficult conversation, anything that's stressful, tension, even conflict from, hey, can we work as a team <laughs> to make this as good as can be? And we're looking for a win-win. Yeah. You know, so many times couples get in this battle where it's like, man, if I win, you lose, like it's only one of us gets what we want. Like, no, 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 we need to come around and be on the same side of the table, looking at this together, crafting something that we can both be excited about. And that, while it might be difficult or there might be some work involved in that, that's way more positive, right? It feels way more constructive.
0: Yeah. So, what about couples that are just kind of starting to learn this method of communication? Are there any specific red flags where you say, like, okay, time to end the conversation or like a time frame that you say, Hey, we're done talking about this. We move on. Cause I don't know. I know for me, sometimes there's like this weird place of like, I'm trying to communicate, but I don't fully know how. And if someone's trying to jump into that, what would you say to kind of help make sure it doesn't end up more frustrating than it started? Cause I know that's a a common
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really hard because so on the one hand, I think we've all gotten in conversations where we realize this is just not going someplace good. <laughs> you know, like this is this is just sort of I don't know, falling apart, and we're going to end up fighting, or end up we're getting into hurt feelings, and it's and it's really hard. And I don't know that you want to totally just shut the door on it, but if there's a way to sort of pause and say, Hey, wait, wait, I think we're getting tense. I think we're this is getting difficult. You know, again, circle back to I really want what I want with you is a really constructive conversation where we're working on this as a team. I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm not trying to get my way at the expense of your way, you know, like my investment in our teamwork um, could be helpful. You know, I suppose it'd be helpful to have some conversation even leading in, like if we're going to dive in and talk about sex. So if I lead off and say, Hey, I really want to talk about sex because I want our relationship to be as good as it can be. I think we both know, it has not been, right? This has not been easy for us. Can we talk about this as a team? You know, then if you if it starts to devolve, maybe it can call back to the to that intro, right? Like, wait, wait, wait. It feels like we're not really working as a team here. It doesn't feel positive. I really want. Can we bring it back there? Do we need to take a pause? Maybe because it's fine to take a pause, right? like, let's just take a little break. Let's maybe come back this tomorrow. Like this stuff doesn't get solved in one conversation either. It's a series of talks over time. So it's okay to have, you know, let's spend 20 minutes. Like you said, a time limit. You can totally do that. Or let's just take a pause and come back to it and settle down and regroup when we feel like we can address it together.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm feeling like this episode should almost be titled like Intimacy 101, just kind of (laughs) like the basics of like, how do we get back into just like feeling more fulfilled in that area of our lives. Um, so let's kind of move forward with the, the woman, let's say the woman Mm -hmm. maybe doesn't have as much desire or like wants to gain some more desire. Maybe she's, you know, I'm, I'm saying in the context of, you know, I hope that we're working on healing that relationship with our body as we kind of continue because I know that's kind of one thing that really holds the women back in, in our community. Um, but, but where do, where could we start if we wanted to start having more desire? Cause that really is probably like the, what's going to be included in the discussion, right. In, in the, in the conversation that you're having with your spouse. And if the woman's like, I don't know, or I don't know how to get there. Where yeah, you start.
1: Well, it, it, I mean, this is so much about what I teach, right? This is a this is a big deal because bo- things like body image struggles are only one of the things that can yeah. block desire, right? Yes. I mean, when I get a slide in my webinar about like all the various things, there's so uh, sexual desire is so fragile for a lot of people yeah. because there's all this stuff about just us and our own body and our own health and our own well-being and our you know anxiety or depression or meds or whatever. And then there's anything that's going on in the relationship. If there's power struggles or communication struggles or you know somebody's not doing enough chores or all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Then you add in kids and jobs and responsibilities and COVID and parents and I mean it's sort of, you know, life is so complicated and so stressful. And that will block desire for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So even if you, you have this wonderful relationship with your body and food, maybe there's a whole pile of other obstacles that people have had. Yes. So it's important to sort of, ta- you know, understand what those are, to realize that that's normal and to do what you can about any of them. I mean, you know, you can't give the kids away. But maybe maybe you can get a lock on your door. Maybe you can get a sitter. Maybe you can get a time you know away. Maybe you can start to carve out, carve out some private time where they're busy with a book or a movie or something. Um, so anyway, it's about you know doing what you can about the obstacles. And then, in terms of creating more desire, I think the the most key thing for women to understand is that for an awful lot of people, um, they don't feel sexual desire, like a hunger. You know, like I've had clients tell me I could go the whole rest of my life without sex if it were up to me and I'd be just fine, right? It just doesn't occur to me. I don't have that drive. But what'll happen for people is they have what I call reactive sex drive. So that if you start (laughs) and things are good and you get what you need, oh, wow! now my body is starting to wake up. Now I'm starting to get turned on. Now I'm interested in sex so it's not so much about feeling proactive desire. It's about how do we, how do we nurture reactive desire? How do we create those opportunities to start? How do we learn and communicate what it is we would enjoy and what might help us get in the mood and get us to be present and get us in our bodies and get us enjoying it? You know, and can we have enough flexibility to go ahead and get, create that space for ourselves without a commitment? because so many people it's like oh man if we start i got to finish. So it's like everybody's saying no unless they're sure they can do the whole thing and that's really unhelpful. It's like we have to be able to sort of say i don't know i wasn't really thinking about sex but could we mess around and see what happens and and it's got to be okay if you don't end up getting in the mood.
0: Oh so so being okay with any sort of outcome really but being willing to like just jump into it openly
1: yeah the the metaphor I use all the time is that sex is like going to the playground. So it is only the outing that counts. We just go. and that's a win. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We don't have an agenda. We don't know we're gonna be five minutes on the swings, and we're you know, it's not about going down the slide. It's like we just go. And then once we're there, we see what we feel like doing. you know, and we do that as long as we feel like doing it. and then we get inspired for the next thing or not. And it doesn't matter. Like anything you're sharing with your partner, that's physically intimate, you can just enjoy for what it is. It's not like it doesn't count unless you somehow like have intercourse or something. So this ability for a couple, for both people to see it that way and to enjoy whatever they do on the playground and to create that space and lack of pressure, like we have to take the pressure off this stuff, then the person with less desire, you know, the woman in this case, uh, has way more chance that she'll end up actually interested, you know, and wanting sex, where if they hadn't even gone, that would never have happened.
0: Yeah. How do they get themselves like to the point of wanting to even go to the playground? You know, like I remember reading a book, I think a long time ago, about like brakes and accelerators. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know if you talk much about that, but. But like, sometimes it feels like there's an acceleration and then a break.
1: like you know. Well, the breaks, you know, the, it's Emily Nagoski wrote that book and it's wonderful. Um, the breaks are these obstacles that I'm talking about. So understanding yeah. what those are. And again, we can't necessarily get rid of all of them, right? People are wired differently. People, you know, some of these things are not changeable, but hopefully we can adapt and give ourselves some space with that and we can learn about like what might our accelerators be what do we enjoy what kind of touch do we want what kind of pace do we want but i think one of the biggest barriers to this to wanting to go to the playground is this idea that it's it creates expectation yeah that now we're expected to have sex i think it's way easier to go in if you know you could literally just get a massage or give a massage without any expectation there's sort of nothing to avoid that pressure That comes from expectation, from the idea that if we start, we got to finish, got to have sex, or it doesn't count. You know, all that matters is is like intercourse. None of the rest of it somehow counts by itself. That's what we really have to change. Yeah.
0: Because
1: then there's nothing to avoid with going to the playground.
0: Ah, so there's no like fear or anxiety about going to the playground.
1: Right, right, right. So because to the to the degree that anyone has anxiety about that. There's probably still some sense of expectation or obligation, you know, either internally for themselves or their partner has it, or they think their partner has it. Somehow that's still in the room. And that's what I think making that so fraught. Yeah.
0: So, what if they have more desire than their partner? So, like, kind of let's flip it. Is there a conversation or something that could help initiate that?
1: Well, it's the same idea. So while my course is for women who are this lower desire role, the is concept, common,
0: by the way, or not, well,
1: I, I don't know. I know that in my sex therapy practice, I would say it's almost half and half. It's not, it's not really unusual that, I mean, first of all, I see same sex couples too, and there's always a higher desire person and a lower desire person. There's not really anything about gender. There's certainly a stereotype that men always already and it's always women that struggle with desire that's not true but there certainly are a lot of women that struggle with desire okay um but even if even if if it's your partner with lower desire the same concepts apply they are going to have obstacles that are in their way that are legitimate and we have to look at those figure out what those are and see what we can do about them and we have to take this pressure off so that you can go to the playground. So think about it. Can you invite your partner to the playground without this expectation that they have to perform or has to turn into sex? You know, they need that permission and that flexibility too. Yeah.
0: Do you have any, I don't even know, like elementary guiding questions that you might start off with, with a spouse in, in having these conversations?
1: If they're the lower, I mean, if they're the lower desire if your partner is a lower desire person or just Maybe about there's this. just
0: a mutual desire for more intimacy
1: um well i mean again i think i would start i i think that basic layout i have in the guide about what do we each think is going on what's you know what's your experience been around our sex life okay. what do you think is happening here's what i sort of think is happening here's just how i see it um what do you think has been going on for me? You know, here's what I think has been going on for you. (laughs) have we each contributed to this? You know, how do you think we've each behaved that's made this maybe more intractable and seem more stuck? You know, what could we do differently? Um, What are some of the obstacles that, you know, are in your way? What kind of things are in my way? How, what kind of thoughts and fears do we have? What do we want? You know?
0: Yeah. Do you have any women come and feel like they're not sure? Like just, just, unsure of what the obstacles are or feeling like it, they want it or it's there, but it it's kind of like, how do I answer the question of what do I really want?
1: Well, I mean, I think that's two different things. I think first, I think a lot of people, a lot of women understand a lot of their obstacles. So they know I don't feel good in my body or they know I can't stop thinking about all the dishes that aren't done in the kitchen. <laughs> or I know that I don't, it's hard to relax if I can hear my kids walking up and down the hall, right? Like a lot of these things we're aware of. I think the thing people don't necessarily understand is this whole concept of that reactive sex drive. So what they're baffled is why don't I just feel desire? I'm supposed to just want it and feel it. It should be on my mind. Something's wrong with me. And that they don't understand, but that's because reactive desire is normal and valid. We just don't we don't recognize that as desire. So like I'll tell women, you know, this whole thing about reactive desire. Yeah, but if you start and if things were good and if you felt good, you got the touch you needed sometimes you end up in the mood and they're like, oh, yeah, that happens. That's like, well, there you go. That's sexual desire. It's just a different kind. Yeah. So that to me answers a lot of questions for people. But then, you know, then you ask something else, which is what if people don't really know what they want? Right. And so sometimes women will never have really known that sex has never really been about them. They've always sort of done this for their partner. They've never really thought about or explored what they would want. Other times people used to know, but then something has changed, (laughs) you know, like we're all getting older. We have children or we go through menopause or cancer or whatever. All of a sudden now we're in sort of a different body. And, you know, I used to know what works and now I don't. And really in either situation, it's about giving yourself permission to explore, you know, slow down. It's okay that you don't know. Can You've got head to toe, all kinds of skin, uh, all kinds of touch. Could you just explore and really focus on what you find pleasing and let that be good enough? Like there's nothing to live up to with that.
0: Yeah. I think that concept of reactive desire is is unique. Like I, I hadn't heard of that. And I think probably a lot of people it- maybe feel that way, but I, there might be kind of that sentiment of like, once I'm in the groove, it's okay. It's good.
1: Yeah. For a lot of people, they have had that experience of, you know, yeah. Once we get going, you know, then I usually end up in the mood or I I like it, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's reactive desire, you know, and that counts. There's nothing broken with that. So there's not, there's nothing I do to get people to just sort of spontaneously want sex or get like this high sex drive the way the culture portrays it it's about accessing this reactive drive if that's how it works for you
0: does it bring more proactive drive like does it bring more drive it
1: it can you know everybody's different it's not like we are it's not our identity right we're not like reactive or proactive it's like just the nature and desire and it's fluid and flexible and sometimes if you start to if you start to understand you're not broken. And there's nothing wrong with you and this is the way it is and it's okay they have to figure out what you want now and it's okay to speak up about what you need it's okay to need more time than you used to need or whatever sometimes shedding those burdens could unlock more proactive drive yeah um, but but that's not exactly my goal because nothing is broken with reactive drive if that makes sense but yeah it, those it's a big burden to think that something is wrong with you yeah, you know, re- they talk about a blocker to desire. <laughs> you know, feeling like you're broken or inadequate. You know, that is a buzzkill.
0: Yeah, yeah, and such a, I guess, kind of like a bigger conversation, <laughs> right? When we feel like there's something deeper inside, but I love that what you're saying is, let's try to start opening the conversation. That's yeah. what, that, and yeah. You know, if we if we have a, a partner that um is willing to also be in that conversation with us then there's there doesn't have to be any expectations because they can be on both sides right no expectations on both sides and i right. think sometimes right. women may have uh, some idea of expectations yes for them But do the men need, like, sometimes there's like a disconnect of expectations.
1: Right, right, right. Sometimes it's all sort of internal. It's our own thing. Sometimes we really are getting it from our partner and we need to have that conversation. You know, so this idea of opening up the conversation with your partner and trying to be teammates and work together on this, and maybe your partner's just mean (laughs) about it, you know, I mean, they're so frustrated and unhappy that they're willing to make you feel bad it's okay to just sort of say, you know, this is not going to help if you just make me feel bad about what's happening. I'm trying to come work on this with you. And if you're just going to criticize me or make me feel bad, that's not going to help us move forward. Yeah. You know, because there may have to be a little bit of a wake up call for the partner too, but they are, you know, they're, they're probably behaving out of pain. You know, the, a higher desire person has felt a lot of probably loneliness and they've longed to connect with you intimately and it hasn't been happening. I mean, you know, there's a lot of sadness and hurt on the other side of this equation, but your partner may not handle that well. They may be willing to make you feel bad or criticize you or get angry or frustrated. It's like, you can keep calling them to like, Hey, that's not going to help. I really, I care about this. I care about you. Can we, can we do this as a team? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And recognizing that it's okay for them to have their own feelings, you know, and sometimes we forget that we have our feelings and they're entitled to their feelings and everybody's got their own feelings that take some time to work through.
1: Yeah. And that's part of why I, I like this idea of thinking ahead and trying to put yourself in your partner's shoes and understand the kinds of feelings that may have had from the best you know, with the benefit of the doubt from the best and to understand, even if they've been frustrated with you or short or distant, that it's coming out of pain. And if you can have empathy for how it might be to have wanted to connect with you and you've not been available for that, (laughs) if you know, that's hard, but if you can have empathy for that, you you can have more patience with their behavior while they're starting to maybe not take it out on you. Because yes, we can all have our own feelings, but we should be I sort of hate the word should, but you know, we can be responsible with how we act with those. We don't have to inflict those on each other. We don't have to try to cause pain. We can still be kind and cooperative.
0: Yeah, I love that. So let's kind of like, we've talked a little bit more about intimacy and, and libido and stuff. What if, what if women are, or what if uh, spouses partners are feeling like they want to connect emotionally? Cause I, I would say that maybe is like a precursor to the intimacy, how do, how do we kind of start down that path? If, if that, if talking about intimacy, maybe feels too big or like, we're not quite there yet, but we are trying to connect with our spouse on a, a deeper level. Where do we start?
1: Well, here's, here's something I see. I mean, I don't. I can't say anything's a hundred percent. But some people really need to feel emotionally connected before they're going to be open to sex. Yeah. And other people, it's through sex where their heart opens and they find real emotional connection. So it's not like to some people it's they just want sex. It's like no, it's through sex that they feel that connection. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg kind of situation. And one of the things I'll see with couples in therapy is the way they've tried to approach it is we need to deal with this first and then we can get to that. But who's this gets to go first, (laughs) you know, because so I think we have to work on, on both of these things at the same time. So I don't think it's going to work terribly well to say, we've got to be totally emotionally connected first, and then we can start to deal with our sex life because your partner probably needs the other thing before they can really open up emotionally. Right. So I think there's, there's room to like work on some physical intimacy and connection at the same time, really investing in emotional connection. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is where I see people get stuck a lot. I love that. So I think you need to speak to the value of both of these things. Acknowledge that you know physical int- intimacy matters too, but we also need to pay attention to emotional because that's my doorway in. You know, yours is physical, mine's maybe emotional. I mean, I think they're both emotional, but. Uh, you know, yours might be sexual. Mine might be more emotional connection. Let's invest in both of these things so that we're making this thing roll. And again, I think it inv- it involves things like, you know, putting the phones, the screens off, connecting with each other, either conversation, laughter, fun, you know, comedy or jokes or or uh, play games or something like that. There's dates and adventures. Um, there's just being together. I mean, just eye contact or you know massage or touch or something like that all the different ways you could infuse some sense of closeness and engagement with each other you know one of the things i've seen in covid because we are still in that you know mm-hmm. not quite in lockdown but people are working from home or more people are working from home and they're together like all the, the time, time. <laughs> i we are that way <laughs> right right we are too but the thing is so people keep thinking well, we're together all the time, but it's not quali- something used for quality time. We're sort of in this limbo where it's not quality couple time. And you're also not get qual- getting quality alone time. It's this weird thing where there's all this time and nobody's getting like any buckets filled. So it's really helpful to be clear about when are we engaging with each other and expect to have each other's attention, and we put the intention into that. When are we free to do our own thing with absolutely no demands? And we know we can dive into our book, or our project, or our woodworking, or whatever, and know that that's our time. And then some of the rest of it can be this mishmash of, you know, Netflix and chill or whatever. But uh, people, you know, we're missing that connection time because even because we're living in vicinity of each other 24/7.
0: Boundaries. I mean, I think that is like the word that keeps coming up is identifying your boundaries in a lot of it, these areas, so that you can, you, like you said, you have your own time, but you also have that spouse time or partner time. Like it, it that's really good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 boundaries, and it's about like clarity. of Like, what are we doing? So we know, like, when are, when are we expected to be connecting with each other, and we're doing that. When are we expecting to get our own stuff done? You know, because for instance, I just had a couple, or not last week, because it was holidays, a couple weeks ago, um, talking about how they were just sort of sitting on the couch watching TV. And he thought, oh, this is together time, right? This counts. But to her, not at all, because they're just watching TV. And she's thinking, well, this is just his downtime, because we're not really connecting or talking to each other. So, And it wasn't filling his bucket for alone time. Like neither, you know, they both think The other person's needs are getting met, but neither one is. Yeah. And there just wasn't that conversation and clarity about, you know, what's it take for the two of us to connect? And then what's it take for us each to get, you know, solo time to do something that matters to us?
0: Yeah, I think many of us may know that story all too well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And then there's many, many hours for lots of us sitting on that couch watching these shows, you know, and it's just like evaporating. And there's value in that too, and decompressing, but it's just like so much time can go by without you know really connecting with your partner
0: yeah well th- i love that you i was actually going to ask like some practical connection things and you brought in a few do you have any more to share with us about like if we are in that rut of trying to figure this relationship out and just turning to the tv or turning to the zoning out um where could we, what are some practical things to help us like start that flow of figuring it out
1: well okay so one of the things that i used to suggest it to couples all the time was to get conversation starters and people would think it's a little gimmicky or something, you know, but you, you know, you go out to dinner went back in the day, right. When you could go out to dinner you see some couple sitting at a table staring off in his face with nothing to say, like it can be hard to come up with things to talk about when you've known each other for a long time. Yeah. um So I think that idea is really good. And so I actually created it a little daily conversation starter that people can have access to. um I think trying to figure out some sort of, game or activity that you can do in the house together that doesn't necessarily involve like getting out, um, but turning off the screens and like are we going to do crossword puzzles or jigsaw puzzle or play cards or I don't know, play tag, <laughs> something interactive, <laughs> you know, exercise together, something like that that you might be able to do in the house. I think getting out for some sort of um date. And again, b- based on COVID where you are, maybe it's just hikes or something like that out in nature. Uh, or can you get out and, and do something fun? The idea of some sort of overnight or getaway, if that's even a possibility, would be amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, some new hobby. Taking you know, again, COVID hit and we were in the middle of dance classes and had to abandon those. I don't know if they've resumed, but you know, someday when we can do that again, is there some new hobby to take up together that gets you out of the house and doing something fun? Because there's nothing like doing something new that engages your brain in a new way and and builds the hormones to sort of bond with each other in that too.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is kind of another practical question, but I was just thinking as you were talking about that, one of the things I wanted to say out loud was like, and stop yelling at your three-year-old to get out of her, like, keep, go back to your bed, go back to your bed, go back to your bed. So we have a lot of moms in this, in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, what would, how do you help have, I don't even know my question, but basically, Sometimes kids are like a really big break or they, they take up a lot of time and space. Yes. So there's very little time available. Yeah, You have a conversation with your kids about like mom and dad are having this time together. Like what yeah. might be a good approach?
1: You know, it's so hard. It's, I mean, kids are real. <laughs> you yeah. know, the demands are real. So I think when they're really young or if you have a lot of them or something, you're gonna have to realize that you don't have as much time. I mean, it's, there's just too many balls in the air. So it's a, it's a matter of really making the best use of the time you have. Mm-hmm. So if you have five or 10 minutes a day where you can focus on each other, maybe that's all you've got, use it. Don't just put that off and thinking, oh, someday when the kids are grown, we'll get to each other because you're just gonna wither on the vine in the meantime. So make really good use of very small bits of time if your kids are really little. And then I think as they get a little older, Personally I think it's a great idea to have conversations and set a precedent that there is couple time that's expected. I really believe the best gift you give your children is a really strong relationship with your partner.
0: Yeah,
1: with these parents. And so while it might take from them some sort of time and attention, it's an investment for them in your relationship with your partner. So starting to have and again it might take a little bit of time to get this ingrained and to have them um, integrate it and respect it and live with it, but to sort of set this expectation that you know us, mommy and daddy, or mommy and mommy, who are, you know, we are spending some time together. We'll be with you shortly. And as they get older, they're going to integrate that. They're going to accept that. That's just going to be the norm. And you really are demonstrating something so valuable for them too, and what to expect in their own relationship.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it keeps. I don't know why the word boundaries just kind of keep coming up for me, but, but also one of the things that we talk a lot around here about is honoring your season. And I love that you brought that in because you've, you've kind of intertwined it throughout the whole episode is like knowing that we're going to go through different seasons of intimacy, of body stuff, of family stuff, of relationships, and knowing that it's okay to meet yourself where you are in the season and that there you can thrive in that unique season in a unique way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, we just don't when we got little kids, like I said, there're just not enough resources. There's not enough time, there's probably not enough money, there's not enough energy, there's not enough, you know, privacy. It's like, holy cow, it's really hard. So it's a juggling act and we're too, but I guess what I would just say is don't put off your relationship to the end. It's so easy to sort of Prioritize the kids in some way, and feel like I can't possibly ask them to wait or put them off. You know, like my, my partner's an adult; they should be able to fend for themselves, and and that's not going to help your relationship, and it ultimately doesn't help your kids. So. Yeah,
0: I have some good friends because you know, right now in my generation, our parents are empty nesters, you know, and I have some friends that have said their parents really struggled kind of reconnecting after the kids moved out and, and knowing that if you're working on it now, hopefully it won't be as much of a struggle to like yeah. re-find each other when they move yeah. out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and again, it doesn't necessarily take a lot, but I think it takes something. We have to be nourishing, you know, I think of a relationship, it's a bit like a garden and we have to be weeding and <laughs> we have to be feeding, right? We have to be putting nutrients in the soil and investing in it too, because we want it to be there, you know, not just for when the kids leave, but along the way as well. Yeah. And it takes some investment.
0: Yeah. Such, such a good analogy. To just recognize that there's like some weeding that has to happen and some, some digging and investing and, and, you know, nourishing. I love that word. Yeah. Nourishing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it's,
1: you know, it's easy to hide behind the kids. I mean, I did this, you know, it's like, Oh, the kids need me. And because I was struggling in my marriage at the time, it's like, I I just didn't deal with it. And I could, I could really hide behind the kids. And it was a good excuse. You know, it was totally, (laughs) it was totally believable because it's true, but it's too easy to, to neglect what needs caretaking. Yeah. I
0: love that. That's such a unique such a good perspective to, to recognize that they can, they can learn to respect you, your relationship and all of that. And knowing that they can, you can teach them like mom and dad are important too. And that's something that I have kind of, kind of kept in my mind throughout my life is if I nourish my marriage first, my motherhood will be better for
1: it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, This has been such a lovely conversation. I feel like we've had so many golden nuggets. That's what I want to say. Like golden (laughs) nuggets throughout um, this, this, this podcast call. And so I just, I know you have some really great resources for anyone that wants to maybe improve um, the bedroom life or wants to, um, you know, connect on a a deeper level with their spouse. Will you share what you've got? Because I'm kind of excited about these.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a free um, webinar. I mean, it's pre-recorded. So like a masterclass, how to want sex again. So it never feels like a chore because that is what so many people's experience is. So people can sign up for that at intimacywithease.com slash masterclass. And then I do have, like I said, I was motivated to create my own set of daily conversation starters that you can get via text message. So every day around noon Pacific time, um, you just get a text with a new question that you could talk about with your partner, or maybe you save them up and do a week's worth every Sunday or something like that so people can text um, topics to the number. I don't know if I should say the number, just put it in the show notes. Okay, the number is um, 206-309-8645. So you you type in topics to that number and then you'll start getting daily conversation starters. I love
0: that. I think it's so good because we're we're on our phones and so it's like a really nice opportunity. I, I remember hearing uh, I don't know where I heard it, but someone was saying like, we, we both work from home, but we text each other throughout the day. And I, I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? You're both home. But like, I love that. And I thought, you know, maybe that conversation starter could even be through phones or something. Yeah. To yeah. Communicate.
1: Well, it's funny as you know, I mean, I, I didn't write all the questions. I wrote some of them and I gathered some, but you know, I subscribed to, and so on. <laughs> And I are going through my own conversation starters. It's like it's really helpful to have something new to think about and wonder about and ask each other. So yeah,
0: that's so wonderful. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I think everyone is going to have, I really, I really feel like they're gonna get some of their own golden nuggets. And that's what I, I was hoping for is that they would get out of this what they need. Um, and so is there anywhere else we can find you? Um, Instagram or anything like that? Yeah,
1: Instagram, I'm at intimacy with ease. And then I have the Better Sex podcast, um, which I've been doing for about four years now. So there's 200 or more episodes of all kinds of topics that people might find interesting. Um, Yeah, I think that and IntimacyWithEase.com really has all the different resources on it. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really have had a, a really great time having a conversation with you. Thank you. Okay, my friend. If you love the Woman of Wellness podcast, did you know that one of the biggest ways you can say thank you is by hitting that subscribe button and leaving a review? This helps the women that need this message have more of a chance of seeing it. And if these messages speak to you, why not share the love? I genuinely care what you think of this podcast. If this particular episode resonated with you, just copy the link and send it to a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at a woman of wellness and I will be sure to send my love right back. And while you're at it, just come hang out with me on Instagram. I share lots more support over there as well. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. I absolutely mean it.